103. The title of the lesson is Praise God. And sometimes we just say it as a cliche and don't think much about it. So, oh, praise God. You know, if you're in one of those praise God moments, you want to get your eyes and your heart focused on what you're meaning by it, what you're saying by it. And David writes in Psalm 103, Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desire with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. You know, David wrote a lot of psalms. David is really good at praising the Lord. And yet it's amazing when he says in verse 2, Praise the Lord on my soul and forget not all his benefits. You know, we sing a song that has those words in it. Forget not all his benefits. You know what that means? Don't forget what God has done for you. And David, David lists some of them out there. He says there's forgiveness, redemption. He crowns you. He satisfies you. He renews you. He works righteousness. I mean, all those things. David just came up with a short list. He said, wow, God, you're amazing. And then he goes on and he starts talking about the heart of God. And he says, you're compassionate. You're gracious. You're slow to anger. Can you imagine what life would be like if God had a short fuse? Maybe you grew up and one of your parents had a short fuse. I promise you, you didn't love it. You you did not feel, man, I am so happy that either mom or dad just responds in an instant to how they feel. I appreciate the forthright of their, you know, their action. No, you're like, man, I, I, I love patience. I love that, that God is slow to anger, abounding in love. Because if you're like me, you know there's days where we may have pushed the limit of slow. But wow, wouldn't life be different if God had a short fuse? says he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. He doesn't repay us according to our iniquities. Amazing, the, the heart of God. And this is, this is David. I mean, you know, he's just like, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Forget not all his benefits. And he, he makes this list. And then he moves over to the character of God. And he's making a list there. He goes, man, God's amazing. I'm so fired up about who God is. He said, I got all kinds of reasons to praise God. And then I love this. You know, in verse 13, he says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Now let that 
phrase sink in. He remembers that you and me are just dirt, mud, if it gets wet. You're just dust. You're the things that we sweep up in the living room. We vacuum. It's just dust. It says that God remembers that you and I are dust. Now you go, wait, is that a good thing or a bad thing? You know, when I, I got to hold little Savannah Ray, and, uh, you know, little, little babies are amazing, and you're, you're just sitting there holding them and marveling at the miracle of birth. And I don't know how anyone can be around birth and not believe in God, but we're just talking and, and I said, you know, Jessica, all the pepperoni pizzas, and I don't know how many she ate, but, you know, God, she would eat a, a pepperoni pizza, and then God would say, okay, that molecule's not good for Savannah. Um, this one is good, so I'm going to take that. Uh, you didn't give me enough calcium, so I'm going to rob that from your bones and your teeth. Um, you know, God worked all that in. And it's kind of amazing. Here's like this little baby girl that God made out of stuff that Jessica ate. Now, if that doesn't give you reasons to be humble, you think, wow, the Twinkies that your mom ate made your brain. So lest we start feeling, you know, too hot about ourselves, let's remember, you're made of Twinkies that your mom ate. Are you feeling humble now? You say, well, why, why is it good to remember that we are dust? Because when you remember that you are dust, then you give praise to the Creator who made you. But when you actually start thinking that you are so awesome, life is all about you because you're so incredible, you're so wise, you're so hardworking, then why would you praise a creator? You don't need a creator because you forgot that you're dust. You know, even when we get prideful, we get arrogant, God, God never forgets. He goes, nah, you're just dust. You know, in society today, there's a lot of talk about self-esteem. If, if you try and bolster your self-esteem, you're going to be in trouble. You say, what? What are you talking about? No. If you start looking for self-esteem through a method that forgets that you are dust, you will be in trouble. You say, well, then where do you get self-esteem? If I'm supposed to remember that I'm just dust and Twinkies that my mom ate. Like, where do I get self-esteem from that? No, really, we get it from our Creator. From the fact that, that He's awesome. That He made you. Not from, I am awesome. See, and David figured this out. This is praise the Lord. Oh, my soul, forget not all his benefits. And he just goes through this list. 
of what God does and who God is. And he goes, man, i got to remember that. Even David had to remind himself, okay, don't forget. A lot of times we think, well, we live in such a distracted society. We've got texts and emails and cell phones and TV and all this kind of stuff. David didn't have any of that. You know what? Even if you were a sheep herder, you have to remember or you will forget what God has done. So if it's good for David, he wrote, I don't know, about half the Psalms. It's it's good for you and me. So praise the Lord. Forget not all his benefits. Um, Turn over to Luke chapter 7. Praise produces action. You know, Nate gave a good example of the verse where Jesus healed ten lepers. But only one came back to say thanks. That was an action produced from gratitude. But in Luke chapter 7, we get a story. And it says in verse 36... Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman that she is, that she's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You judge correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Yeah, it's a story about gratitude. And in a room full of guests, there was only one person that expressed any gratitude. And it was the biggest sinner in the room. No, let's change it to what Jesus says. It was the person aware of their sin the most. You know, praise to God produces an action. You can't help yourself. Think about when you fell in love with the woman, the man that you married. Nobody had to tell you, do something nice for them. You just wanted to. You couldn't help yourself. It was not about being practical. 
There's times that you would ignore your budget because it was about showing love. Now, don't do that over the Christmas holidays. Be responsible. But when you feel like you have an amazing opportunity in front of you, you can't help but express gratitude. But when you're on the flip side, you're grumbling. You know, Jesus, this wasn't a parable. This was a story. This is real life. And there were only, you know, you only had two kinds of people in this story. You had the gratitude showers and the grumblers. Now you wonder, like if Jesus would have said, is there any level of gratitude for forgiveness of sin in your life to the grumblers? They probably would have said, oh yeah, I'm so grateful for what God does in my life. There would have been that intellectual response. But you know, it wasn't just Simon the Pharisee who was there. There was a room full of other guests who did nothing. And guess what they did at the end? They were grumbling too. You see, grumbling will produce apathy. Praise will produce an action. Sometimes we think, well, you know what? I, I, I grumble because I'm not doing anything. Well, you know what? You're not doing anything because you're grumbling. The grumbling is the response to your situation. But you can end up paralyzed where somebody else in the exact same situation can be so motivated by the opportunity. It was the same Jesus. It was the same house. And yet you had a room full of people. But only one responded in a way that Jesus commended. When you praise God, you want to help others. I was proud of the uh, Darian family group. They got together and they put together all these gift baskets, you know, turkeys and different things, and the different families got together and then they decorated each one of the baskets and then they dropped them off and they're going to be delivered to needy families this week. You say, why? Well, because there's a need. And so they can take what they have and they can give and meet needs in the community. You go, that's awesome. Nobody told them to. They just did. You know, when you're fired up about God, you want to do something about it. And I think about, you know, just when you walk in today to church. we got a lot of grateful people. You know what they're doing at 7.30, 8 o'clock? They're unloading trailers. They're setting up sound system. They're putting books on the table. They're setting out tables. They're putting out songbooks. They're, they're prepping for Kids' Kingdom. Why? Is it because they get paid more? No. They're just excited about God. But isn't it amazing how we can be in the exact situation, and if we're not grateful, we end up paralyzed instead of action. So what do we need to do? Look, look for opportunities. Look for opportunities to express gratitude toward God. How? Through helping other people. Through meeting needs, through serving, through leading, through loving. I want to close uh, reading out of Matthew 20. And this is a parable that Jesus told. And in Matthew 20...
Well, we'll go uh, back to verse 30. He says, but many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. And I've often thought as a preacher, you know what, one of these days, I'm just giving you a little prep. Before I preach, I'm going to take the microphone and the podium, and I'm going to go um, stand in the back row and make you all turn around so that the back row is the front row. The back row is petrified. Are you going to do that right now? Let's say, I don't know if that's what he means. You know, the, the, the back row is going to become the front row. You know, this is one of those passages you read. Oh, that kind of sounds cool and spiritual. Anyway, okay, so let's move on. So Matthew 20, but right after he says this, he says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. So that's uh, 6 a.m. About the third hour, 9 a.m., he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And just so you know, a day's work was a 12-hour day. 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. That was the, the customary work day. Okay, so 9 a.m., third hour. He went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. Now, notice, a little, little transition here. So the ones at 6 a.m., they actually had a contract. said, I'm going to give you one denarius. Now, that was a fair day's wage. So God had a contract with them, the landowner. He said, you're going you're to get a fair um, wage for your day's work at 6 a.m. And they said, okay. At 9 a.m., he didn't tell them uh, what I'm going to pay you. He goes, you just go work, and, and I'll pay you something that's good. So they didn't get an amount. They're like, all right. So they went out. Verse 5, he went out again about the sixth hour. So now it's noon. And the ninth hour, 3 p.m., and he did the same thing. Now about the eleventh hour, so 5 p.m., he went out and found others still standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? He said, because nobody has hired us, they answered. He said, you go work in my vineyard. He didn't even tell them anything about money. He didn't say, I'm going to pay you what's right. He just said, you just get out there and work. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, he began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, friend, I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. 
I want to give the man who has hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. You know, this is a parable really about two groups of people. Not the people hired at nine, noon, and three. It's really about those hired at 6 a.m. and those hired at 5 p.m. You say, well, what's the difference? Well, they each got paid the same thing. The first ones, they had a contract, they had a business agreement, and they got a fair day's wage. But the ones that came along last, they only worked one hour. And they got paid the same thing. So what's the point of the story? Well, it's that God rewards faithfulness, not productivity. See, we're a results society. So the 6 a.m. people, they're stuck on results. And that's where fairness comes in. Hey, we worked 12 hours and you made them equal. Look, we produced way more. We did 12 times the work that they did. Now keep in mind, what did they agree to work for? Exactly what they received. God didn't jip them. The landowner didn't change his mind and go, I'm only going to give you half a day's work. They got exactly what they thought they were going to get. But they had a problem when God rewarded the one-hour workers the same. And then Jesus says the last will be first and the first will be last. Now, what's this group of people that he's talking about? Well, what was the comparison? The kingdom of heaven will be like. So who's in the kingdom of heaven? Saved people. Say, well, were they saved at the end? Yeah. But you know what? Part of them were grumbling, not having a very good time. And part of them were pretty fired up about what they got. You see, the story is a comparison between how God rewarded people. And it's amazing that as a Christian, we can be so fired up about salvation, so fired up about the opportunity to be different, so fired up about the family of believers. And then we start living life and we start looking at how God treats other people. And we start grumbling. And we make comparisons. Well, I've served you for this long. And I did this for my kids and I did this at work and I gave this much and I did this and I did that and I did this and all of a sudden we find ourselves like the 6 a.m. high reefs. So what, what did we get? Oh, we've got salvation. We got the same blessings. But instead of being fired up that, man, we were, we were just wandering around the city streets with nothing to do. And God put me to work in his vineyard. We end up grumbling over how God's treating somebody else. 
When we fall into the trap of making comparisons with other people's lives, it will rob you of your praise and gratitude every single time. That's the point of the story. It's not about results. It's about faithfulness. We get to work in the vineyard. We were standing around doing nothing. God had all the resources. He can do whatever he wants. And he came up to us and said, hey, come work in my vineyard. But comparison with other people, their house, their job, their life situation, something with their kids, their health, their money, their free time, add whatever we want to the list. It will rob you of gratitude and thanksgiving every single time. You say, what changed? It wasn't the denarius. God's faithful. Praise God. I say, where do you go from here? Praise God. So maybe we've forgotten his benefits. Praise God. Maybe we've been drawn into comparisons and we're focused on other people. You know what? Praise God. If God gives somebody a bigger blessing, so what? He's the landowner. He can do whatever he wants. He saved me. That's awesome. So where do we go from here? Praise God. See, I struggle with motivation. Praise God. Struggle with apathy. Praise God. Struggle with bitterness. Praise God. I want to remember that you're just Twinkies that your mom ate. That'll help you stay humble. You start getting prideful. The people around you have permission to just call you a big Twinkie. God's amazing. And even David had to be reminded. He reminded himself. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You know, this is a time on Thursday, a holiday, just set aside to be thankful. You know, as Christians, we ought to live that holiday every day. We should just have turkey every day. Big meals, family time. It's awesome. We should be the most thankful of all people. Have our eyes been taken off of God? It's like put them back. Say, Jesus is working in your life. Be the one that shows gratitude. Be the one that changes somebody else's life. Why? Because you praise God. Let's live out every day with purposeful praising of God. Start every day. You start getting in a bad mood, praise God again. End the day praising God. Make it purposeful. Go through what he's done in your life. Go through a list of of his character. You get your own list. You'll find motivation. You'll find joy. 
and you'll find action. Praise produces action. Praise also comes from perspective. Let's praise God together. Let's stand. Jen and Tim O'Connor are going to come up at this time and make an announcement, and then we'll close in one final song.